The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hello, and welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm so excited to have you all back, but let me tell you, I'm even more excited to have our guest on today. He is the owner of Shine Insurance Agency, Jeremy Goodrich. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. How are you, sir? Cody, it's so great to be on the show. I'm pumped. I'm excited to talk insurance, and I just love so much what you're doing. Thank you for having me on the show. Hey, listen, the the pleasure's all mine on this side of the Zoom call. I, I appreciate it, and you making time. And Pulling back the curtain a little bit, Jeremy and I have been chatting for a better part of 40 minutes, just nerding out on processes and <laughs> fellow podcasting insidery stuff. Absolutely. So we finally had to hit record and kind of get some content out here. But Jeremy, thank you so much for joining. Origin story. would love to know where you're from, how you got into what you're doing, kind of what you guys are doing these days. Absolutely. So I live in Southern Indiana, just an hour South of Indianapolis. And what I do is commercial real estate insurance all over the country. So I take care of folks coast to coast, top to bottom, but it's all around commercial real estate. And this started in the last four or five years. I've owned Shine Insurance for eight years, but before I did that, I was an elementary school teacher. So I taught school for 13 years. I taught third and fourth graders how to love math, how to love reading, how to love to be an author, how to play hockey. I did a lot of things and I loved it. It was a, a great time. And at some point I was living my life off of credit cards. I was making $25,000 a year and it just wasn't working financially. And I had met my now wife and business partner and she was a third generation insurance advisor. And we just felt like both of us kind of wanted to jump from the thing we were doing and start something new. And so we started Shine Insurance with the intention of changing the way people feel about insurance. And, you know, immediately when I came to be an insurance advisor, I realized very quickly that like people don't treat you the same as an elementary school teacher. <laughs> like, you know, like there's this entirely different concept of what this person is. You know, it's almost like a tax collector or used car salesman or something. You know, insurance is in this space. And I just hadn't really thought about it. And so I really had to figure out. All right, well, how am how do I be me, the person that I am in this world that's so different than I kind of thought it would be? And I realized that the way to do that was to be an educator, was to not change who I was or do anything different. It was just to teach people about insurance, why it's valuable in their life, why it's meaningful to me, and why I see it as a positive where a lot of people think it's like slimy and awful. And so I've just really continued to try and do that over the course of the last eight years. Our YouTube channel does very, very well. And that's just because I'm doing the best I can to educate people about something that I feel passionately about. Well, listen, I have a very soft spot in my heart for educators as my mom, dad, stepmom, sister are all educators or retired educators. And I, at one point in time, had planned to be a high school math teacher. So I very much appreciate the work you did because I know that was a thankless job probably for many, many days and nights back then. But for those that have not found Jeremy's channels on out on the interwebs, please go find them. It's amazing content. Absolutely fantastic. Lots of production value and really good content in there. I would love to talk to you a lot more about that, Jeremy, as we already have before we hit record. But we brought you on here a little bit today to talk about struggles 
trials, things that you've seen in the real estate space from a trials and tribulations challenges standpoint. And I know you have a unique perspective coming from the insurance side and kind of being from on that side of the fence of the relationship. Yeah, I want to can I I want to tell you a couple of stories or at least we'll we'll see how it goes. I'll tell you one and we'll take it from there. So, I want to tell you the story of one real estate investor who I did not take care of. This is not my story. In fact, I was quoting their insurance and they didn't choose me in this scenario. They were in Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana. It was a 144 unit apartment complex, a very heavy lift, probably 30% occupied when they bought it. Uh, 20, I don't remember how many buildings, but a lot of buildings, a lot of renovations to do. And what happened in this situation was what happens, I mean, I say 80% of real estate investors have the wrong insurance policy. And what happened here is exactly that. So they went out to multiple people and asked them for quotes. And I think that's the biggest mistake you can make with commercial real estate. And that is when you're asking multiple agents to get you quotes, they're going out to all of their companies. If they're an independent agent, they've got probably 20 or 30 companies that they go to. And then now you're, you have the agent pitting companies against each other, and then you have agents pitting against each other, and you create this big problem. And that's what was happening for uh, my friends, Rico and John. And they ultimately came down to two options, my option and another option. And I run into this all the time. My option was about $120,000, which uh, is pretty expensive, but Louisiana insurance is pretty expensive. I didn't mention before, this was a coastal property as well. So not only was it a heavy okay. lift, but it was also coastal. Right. It has its own challenges and natural things that happen. Absolutely. So my option was $120,000. There was the, the other option was $105,000, $15,000 difference, about a you know 12% difference. And they ultimately went with the cheaper option. I had talked them through all the problems with that policies, all the issues, all the things that were going to come up if they ever had a claim, but they went with the other one and I wish them well and you know, all good, no big deal. What happens a lot in these scenarios is they end up coming back and talking to me whenever they have a problem. And that is what happened with Rico and John. Not long after closing, about seven months, there was a fire in one building and no one was injured gratefully or thankfully or whatever the right word is, but a big part of that building was taken down. And to make a, a long story really short, it ended up being about $500,000 of damage done. And that was what needed to be addressed to get this building back. So we had a $500,000 claim. Well, why do I know all this stuff, by the way? Because Rico and John immediately started calling me when that fire happened and asking me for advice. And again, it's interesting to me. I had someone else who's in Texas who is dealing with a similar scenario. They give me a call, even if they didn't choose me because there's just a trusting relationship there. So anyway, $500,000 situation. In the end, their policy paid out about three fifty. dollars So their policy, at least it paid out. Sometimes there's, there's issues with even that. But the policy paid out about $350,000, which was about a hundred and so that's $150,000 less than the actual claim situation. I looked at my policy and just imagined had it been the policy, how it would looked, and it would have paid out about $490 because they would have had a $10,000 deductible, all the other things that were subtracted. And Cody, if you want me to go in the weeds, I can. But all the other things that were deducted were things that were problems with that policy that were not problems with mine. So in the end, they got $140,000 less in that claim scenario than they would have with my policy. They paid about $15,000 less for the policy itself. And so, you know, I have 
unfortunately, kind of a lot of stories like that, but that's the most recent one. And the one that stuck out because I knew we had a great relationship. I knew I was educating them. I knew I was really like bringing to them what they needed from this role, but it was just hard not to see the difference in premium. And I kind of get that. I understand that, but in the end, uh, cheap insurance is really expensive. Right. And I would imagine, especially in today's market with prices the way they are, you know, syndicators and different people in real estate buying these properties that they're trying to save as much money as they can, maybe on the front end to make the underwriting work. But at the end of the day, it can hurt you. I mean, coming from my B2B background, I didn't always sell the cheapest thing, but I knew it was going to bring the value that the organization needed. And to your point, a lot of times it sounds like insurance is going to be the same way that you can always go get something cheaper, but you're running the risk that if you ever need to pull that lever, it may actually cost you more in the long run than it did up front, which will still mess up your pro forma even worse than it would have just factoring in that extra amount in the beginning. Yeah. And I think that the biggest mistake people make is not considering the correct number for insurance on the front end when they're underwriting, right? Because if you underwrite correctly on the front end, you have numbers that are reasonable and make sense. And if the deal doesn't work, the deal doesn't work. You know, another person I was talking about in Texas, you know, if they had understood the actual cost of insurance, they probably wouldn't have done the deal. I've seen people pull out of deals weeks before closing, even though they lose all the expenses they had during due diligence because they were wrong about insurance, because they trusted the seller's numbers. And what they found out was that the scenario was deeply different. You know, insurance is generally five or 6% of the income coming from any given door. And that's not a huge, it's not the biggest number. Property taxes is probably twice that, but it is a number that's in the mix there. And so I think that a lot of my clients will send me a text and be like, yo, here's the address. Will you look at it and give me a number? And, uh, you know, I'll look at it and give them a number or I'll say, whoa, this is coastal. It's a heavy lift. It's going to take me a little bit longer to get an exact number. I think that's the key. Tell me this on the commercial insurance side. When is the correct time for somebody to engage you in that process? How early in the game or, or what part of the underwriting process should they be engaging you maybe versus when you actually get engaged? I think if you're a new investor, it's a lot earlier especially if you're new to a market. So I I have a lot of folks who I have relationships with. We've had sort of onboarding conversations, even though they don't have any properties yet. They're sort of vetting me as a part of their service team. And I think that's one of the best things you can do is vet your service team early. And then they're bringing me stuff in the place that they're, the market that they're wanting to get into. For a couple of them right now, it's Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm giving them numbers and they're getting a sense. And half that stuff isn't closing, but it's not a bunch of skin off my back because I I tend to know what the numbers are. So I can pretty quickly give them a sense. You know, those are newer investors. For folks who've been my clients for years, they usually get deeper into due diligence. They certainly already have, a you know, they tend to be in due diligence before they even reach out if it's a property that they know the market pretty well on and they know what my numbers are going to be pretty close. If they're doing a heavy lift, they're going to contact me earlier too, because a property that has more than, you know, 20, 30% vacancy or a property that has old systems and roofs and things like that, there's a lot of variables that could change that insurance price a lot. So I think as you become a more sophisticated investor, you kind of know how to engage your insurance team member. It's also about how much you trust them. Like, you know, if you just trust your team member to knock it out of the park, great. But if you don't have that trust relationship, 
you might reach out earlier because you're just not as sure. Right. And I would imagine, I mean, we've heard one of the reoccurring themes on our show is the importance of partners. And I see you and what you bring to the table as a partnership, right? You're just as much a part of the team for the folks that you're working with as the person doing the asset management or the investor relations. You need to understand the business plan, I would imagine, understand the goals and vision for the property that helps you paint the right picture and align with the interest of the uh, folks that you're working with. Because if not, then you could be misaligned, maybe misquote or whatever it may be on what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is your insurance advisor is turning around after you tell them the story of the property and they're selling that to insurance companies. Lots of insurance companies say yes or no based on the story the agent tells them. So when I I just made a couple of calls before we got on this call that were about a property that has some stuff, has a few things, you know, it's not perfect, but it's a great investor. They're going to do a lot of wonderful things for this property. And I'm able to get this. It looks like I'm going to be able to get this property insured in one of my tier one companies, which tends to have the best coverage for the cheapest price. Without that story, without someone advocating for you, that company would never say yes. And without, you know, when, when I come to a company, because I've got volume, because they know that I work with great investors, they're going to listen in a way that they may not listen to other people. Right. And back to your original point of, if you're just shopping it around, they're probably not getting the story. They're just getting the numbers on a spreadsheet and, hey, does this look good? Give me the lowest number possible. Whereas if you're able to paint that picture, for somebody and with your reputation and relationships, it goes a lot further. It tells a lot more of exactly what's going to happen and could probably win you a lot more deals and better numbers for your clients. Yeah. And, and another thing, you know, back to this company thing, if a company gets a, a submission from two different agents, that company is going to look down on that submission a little bit because now there's already a sign that this person doesn't have a commitment, that this person is a certain kind of price shopper, and that ultimately where it's going to be a race to the bottom. And you're probably, if you if you put good quality coverage together, you're probably not going to get the account because the price is going to be higher than someone who was willing to strip stuff out just to get the deal. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely gone to underwriters who are like, yeah, I got this from someone else. And, uh, it just puts a little bit of a taint on the idea. Again, this is a storytelling right. business more than you really think it is. You know. Well, I think we hear that with banks and debt service a lot, but I think it's we exactly overlook- the same. Yeah. yeah, I think we overlook it on the insurance part uh, yeah. of that. Hey, that we still need to sell the vision, and the story to everyone that's involved, not just the folks that are going to loan us the money to make it happen. So, yeah, yeah, Jeremy, I, I think that's as good a spot as ever to wrap up. Those are some incredible nuggets of knowledge you've given us and our audience, because I don't, to your point, I don't think we always think about it insurance in that way. It's just like, Hey, we have to have this thing. What's the cheapest way we can get it where it's, it's way more than that. It's truly about that partnership and relationship and providing the right value for those that want to connect with you, learn from you, work with you. Where's the best place folks can find you at? I love it. Yeah. And I agree with you, you know, members of the team are the most important thing, you know, and and smart members are what make success happen as opposed to failure every single time. So finding me is, you know, shineinsurance.com is where we're at. Uh, If you'd like to listen to our podcast, it's reiclarity.com. And if you want to check out the YouTube channel, I just search shine insurance. We're there. Perfect. I love it. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today and allowing me to pick your brain so much now. And even before this, we very much appreciate it, sir. Absolutely, Cody. It was a pleasure. Yes, sir. And thanks for everyone listening at home. We'll see everyone next time. 
You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.